Professor Dumbledore has granted me permission to start this little dueling club. And with that, welcome to the dueling club, learning one spell at a time. Hello, welcome to the dueling club. I'm Al. And I'm Jen. And my dog is trying to dig through my bed, apparently. She's just excited that we're recording again. There you go, look at her. So excited! Oh my god! Oh my god! Come here! Yeah, that was her. <laughs> She's super excited to be with us on the podcast. There you go. It's my baby. So, Al, <laughs> what's going on with you? The same like last episode, which was started like an hour ago. Nothing has changed. Yeah? Yes. You were reading a book. What, what book are you reading? Do I go into it? Do I do? Just, just general. I'll go very briefly. Okay. So, in my spare time, I like to read Chinese novels. They are a few different kinds. There's Wuxiao and Xiangxia. Yes, that's how it's actually pronounced, apparently. And it's sort of like, like, think of, like, Dragon Ball Z, where, like, there's a main character. Hey! There's a main character who's, like, strong, and through lucky circumstances, he becomes stronger. And uh, most... Um, Wuxiao novels are, uh, or yeah, they're like about like heroes, like living and doing heroic things. Whereas Shansha novels are about people uh, absorbing like the energy of the world and basically becoming gods in the end. Mm-hmm. And the one I'm reading is um, called Soul Land Three. Um, the exact name of it I don't remember right now. It's like Legend of the Dragon King or something like that. And that's about it. Um, that's what I'm reading. I'm in chapter... Uh, good question. You didn't ask it, but I'm looking. Uh, chapter 621. That's a lot of chapters. Uh, usually they have a lot, because the people who write them are super invested in them. Yeah. And so they release like six to five chat, like five to six chapters a day. I don't know why I went backwards on that one for a second. But, like, I think my favorite one has, like, 3,000 chapters that I've read. So, lately, for a while now, you know I'm a reader. It's yes. a thing. Yes. Um, very on-brand for my Ravenclaw self. Yes. I actually have gotten into <sighs> randomly reading <laughs> things from different apps. And I, I got a Facebook thing. On my personal Facebook, like, hey, you should read this book on the Dream app. And I was like, huh, I don't know. Like, I already have so much, so many apps on my phone, and I spend so much time on my phone. But I did it anyway, because it was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the fourth book in the series, and she's actually, the author um, is actually writing it as she, the days go by. So, she releases one chapter a day. On Saturday, she releases two. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, you can read chapters. When they first start the book, you can read up to a certain number of chapters for free. And then you have to start using your coins to unlock chapters. Yes. And, yeah, this is the only app that I spend money on. Because... I want to support her as an author Roundabout because the I same. enjoy her. I enjoy her books. Yeah, and mine is like more 
fantasy right now because mm-hmm. it's about werewolves yeah. and witches yeah. and vampires and bears who are people. Okay. Mine is a little less... I don't want to say less fantasy because literally the main character... It's a different kind of fantasy. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, they have something called like a martial soul, which is basically like something that they have at birth. And it gets it gets um, awakened when they're six, yes. and then it's either good or bad. It can be a blade of grass, or it can be a freaking dragon. Yeah, and then yeah. So in my book right now, the yeah. main characters are like the main main characters that uh-huh. this, the book is written about. There's yes. other characters that are also important. One of them was just a witch for a while, but she lived in a community of wolves. Okay. And she ended up turning herself into a wolf or letting herself be turned into a wolf. And then she took her powers back. So she's a a werewitch. Mm -hmm. And her fiancé is a wolf. And one of the higher level people... In the in the pack mm-hmm. is mated to a were bear, so half wolf, half bear. Okay. Yeah, like it's just, and they have this this uh, this polyandry that they have in a couple of the couples, in a couple of the throuples. This sounds like such a bad fanfic of, like, Underworld or something. No, no, no. It's not. It's mixed actually like, really good. Mixed with, like, I don't even know. It's actually really good. Hocus Pocus. This is, the, the, <laughs> this is my least favorite of the four books that I've read in the series. Okay. But it's because they're, they were minor characters in the other books that she gave their own book to. But, I mean... I'm a completionist. If I start a series, I want to finish it. Yeah. Unless the, it's The terrible. second I tune out is when, like, you hit me with, like, polygamy and, like, Polyandry. Wonderful. And, and One like, woman, two men. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Harry I'm Potter. just saying. Harry Potter. Anyway. Harry Potter. Well, okay. Harry so let's Potter. go back to... <laughs> Nope. We we nope. we weed really. Yeah, your we series really is now canceled. Things. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Why? Because it sounds so awful. It sounds like I'm sorry, but it sounds like someone's like weird fantasy made into a book. Well, in this one, they don't have any polyandry. Okay, that's good. Anyway, Harry Potter. There's only two of them that did. Yeah, it's good. Harry Potter. Um, oh, goodness. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Chapter 7. You um, know what isn't canceled? What? Liking, following, and subscribing to us. Yes, that actually makes you a good person. So do it if you're a good person. <laughs> no, we're not. Or else you're not a good person. No. We're not pressuring you. We, we love little, you. There's a little bit of pressure there. Stop pressuring people. Okay. We love you. We want you to enjoy what we make. So like, follow, subscribe, like, follow, subscribe. We're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, we're hosted on Podbean, but you can listen to us through any podcast, uh, podcasting like service. Um, no, you can listen to us pretty much everywhere. Okay, cool. Um, 
We, you can also email us at duelingclubpodcast Podcast at gmail.com. Correct. My brain just stopped working for a second. It does that. Uh, yeah, so do it. Season four, episode eight, chapter yes. seven, Bagman and Crouch. Those are interesting names. Yes, so I will go now. So let's do a, a quick summation of the previous chapter. Molly does not like joke shops. <laughs> no. There no, you go. That's doesn't. literally all. That's literally 75% of the chapter. She doesn't like it and they have to travel. Yes. They take a port key, they land, kind of, and they are somewhere now. Wow, you could have listened to approximately 30 seconds of this podcast and saved yourself 42 minutes of the last No, we want you to listen to the last (laughs) one. I'm just saying, that's literally what it was. Whatever. That was like, (coughs) explain something the worst way possible. Yes. That's what you just did. But it made sense. It did, though, but whatever. Okay. Uh, Harry and gang, including Amos and Cedric Diggory, arrive at a deserted Misty Moor, where they meet a pair of oddly dressed wizards who happen to know Arthur. So, they're dressed... One of them is wearing, like, galoshes. I think there's a, a, poncho, there's a poncho on one of them. And, yeah, it was just really, 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 really weird. I skip out on those details because, like, just read the chapter and just understand that they have no idea what muggles wear. The men with the watch wore a tweed suit with thigh-length galoshes. Yes. And the other one was wearing a kilt and a poncho. There you go. At the same time. Yes. So, that's just so strange to me. So, they have pleasantries and stuff. And then, uh, Mr. Weasley hands one the porky they had just used, tossing it into a box full of weird everyday objects. Objects that were... Used porkies. Yes. I just think it's funny to point out that they're mad that Arthur isn't working, and they are. Yes. They're like, oh, not on duty, eh? It's all right for some. We've been here all night. Sucks to suck, brother. Sorry, Beazle. Maybe you should have gotten tickets like he did. I'm just saying. Maybe you should be cool with Bagman, just saying. Um, Which we find out later. Uh, The group then head to their campsite. The degrees at a different part of the encampment, thus they separate from... The Weasleys and friends. Yes. Um, the Weasleys at all. Yes. When the Muggle... Um, what? Oh, when the Muggle campground owner mentions that the campers seem odd, because they, they get there and it's a guy, Mr. Roberts. Yes. Um, what you call it? Yeah, he even notices that Arthur himself has troubles with the clearly marked bills. So, he's like, he uh, he's actually says, you foreign? Like, question, yeah. are you foreign? Because how else would you not, how else would you explain as a muggle, someone who doesn't understand what's happening, that you don't know how to count money? And you're asking a child to help you with it. It seems so ridiculous because it's clearly marked on the bill. Does he think there's some kind of math behind it or something? Like, this one says 20, but really, muggles know that you have to actually subtract 15 to 5. (laughs) Harry's like, no. It says 20. It, it's a 20. Yeah. I promise. It, I, I remember, like, like, like reading it as a kid and going, haha, that makes sense because, like, he's never used money. But not as an adult, I'm like, it says it on it, brother. <laughs> there's no mistake. It literally said there's no ma- additional math. 
unless Arthur literally doesn't know math and like that's a whole other problem <laughs> that Hogwarts needs to address immediately. My <laughs> man is a full grown adult and he's just he looks at twenty he's like five. <laughs> <laughs> so so He's forty okay. years old. Five dollars. <laughs> five dollars. Two zero five. five. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. So, uh, remember I mentioned I was reading something, a meme, where they were like, it's not necessarily that he doesn't know how to do these things, but it always happens right around or right after something else occurred with Harry. So he's literally pulling Harry in Mm -hmm. and disarming him with (coughs) silly questions Mm -hmm. that he doesn't really need answered, but to give Harry something to do to be able to feel better. Like, mm-hmm. all of this just happened with Amos Diggory being like... That's fair, actually. You kind of you suck, and that's why my son beat you. He's better than you, and you're trash. Yeah. And when we took the porky, you fell. But Ron bumped into me, but you fell. The better man was standing. <coughs> I was standing. I'm better, my son's better, and Arthur is kind of better, too. Look at him. He likes he likes. Look batteries. at you, boy who lived. More like boy who can't stand. Yeah. He's an expert on batteries, and you, expert on falling. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) So he's doing it not because he doesn't know how to do math and doesn't know how to handle money, Mm -hmm. but more like, let me give Harry something to do so that he doesn't dwell on what just happened. Yes. So, (sighs) sorry for the yawn. I am exhausted. Um... So the Muggle campground owner, Mr. Roberts, continues to mention how people are kind of odd, trying to pay him in like golden hubcap-like things and, and whatnot, like, okay. Um, quickly enough, though, a harassed-looking wizard pops in and modifies the, uh, his memory, making sure that he's not aware of how odd, see, magical, um, the people he uh, are has been helping are. And this is the second time we've seen this spell. Obliviate. Yes. We saw it in way back in book two in yes. Chamber of Secrets. Yes. Because that Lockhart was what, used it. On everybody. <laughs> Technically. Um, Lockhart used it on everybody <coughs> to lie and say he did the things and then he inadvertently used it on himself. Yes. He said he was good at the charm. He still doesn't remember himself. I'm just going to say at least he wasn't lying about that. Right? Yes. The one thing he was honest about. Yes. So the uh, the wizard who modifies his memory mentions that Mr. Roberts needs to be charmed at least ten times a day, and that Luda Bagman, the head of magical games and sports, is hardly helping by talking about bludgers and quaffled as loudly as he can at any given time. <sighs> so, um, I mean, Ludo Bagman, you work for the Ministry of Magic. You should know the laws against openly being magical in front of muggles. Like, there is a statute of secrecy for a reason! Well, I mean, heading to the campsite, Ginny actually mentions that he should be more discreet around muggles. And Mr. Weasel's like, Arthur is like, he should. Yes. And though lauded as being very much so the man for his position, mm-hmm. due to his enthusiasm, all things sports, especially Quidditch. Because he used to play for England Having himself. been a professional Quidditch player himself, yeah. yes. Uh, Bagman's indiscretion seems to be a common failing, as wizards all throughout the campsite use magic to decorate their tents. Some some get the job done. 
Some yes. look like ordinary tents, but some sort of flub a little bit and add chimneys, uh, bell poles, and weather vanes up to, which are fairly not too bad, I guess. Kind of seems funny and kind of silly. But then others have palaces made of silk and three-story... garden attached. Yeah. Three-story tents with turrets and looking like a freaking mini castle. A bird bath, sundial, and a fountain. Yes. And that's what, that, that one, again, isn't the worst thing you could have had. No. I think the palace made of silk with peacocks tethered out front and the one looking like a little castle is kind of a bigger deal, he yeah. thinks. And he says, always <coughs> the same, we can't resist showing off when we get together. Yes. You know, wizards like to show off what they can do. People, yep. in general, like to show off what they can do. Yes. So finally, uh, they reach their campsite, and Mr. Weasley basically demands that they're not allowed to use magic. Absolutely not. And he asks for Harry's advice on how to set up the tents. I think it's really cute, the way that the sign for their little campground is mm-hmm. spelled. I think Weasley, we know. It's W-E-A-S-L-E-Y. I'm not going to lie, while writing up this summary, I kept putting in Wesley, and I do not know why. I have to stop and go, no. <laughs> there is an A in there. But this one is like, Weasley. W-E-E-Z-L-Y. I love like, it. It's kind of cool. I think it's cute. And Mr. Weasley does mention that like they couldn't have possibly found a better spot, because, I mean... It actually is a really good spot, which we find out shortly, but we're going to keep going And the here. field is right over there. Yes. That's what he says. Yep. So, eventually, Harry, with Hermione's help, set up the two shabby tents um, with absolutely no help from Mr. Weasley because he has no idea what he's doing and wants to get, wants to help. Yeah, but Harry doesn't admits that he has no idea what he's doing either because yes. the Dursleys had never taken him on any kind of holiday. They would just leave him at Mrs. Fig's house. Yeah. Mrs. Fig. Yes. Who is uh, mentioned shortly in a second, actually. Yes. Um, so, Mr. Weasley gets into the tent and is like, oh, we're going to be a little cramped in here, but it should be fine. And Harry himself wonders how they're all going to fit. And he bends down and goes in and finds a three-room flat with a kitchen as well. which is And a bathroom. And a bathroom. Like, it's literally a little apartment in this tent. Bigger on the inside. Smells and, a little bit like cats. Which reminds Harry of Mrs. Mrs. Fig. Fig. Well, she's mentioned twice. She's yes. mentioned before and yep. again. Yep. Um... And he's like, well, hot diggity dog. These wizards Oop. really know what they're doing. Yes. So, Mr. Weasley says that they need water. Yes. And so, he sends Harry, Ron, and Hermione. I love that he says it's a bit cramped. Yes. Which, granted it is, because it's him, the twins, it's like a Ron, dozen it's going room. to be Bill, Charlie, and Percy, and Harry. So, in a three-bedroom flat, there's eight guys. And the girls get their own tent, and it's two of them. Yeah. But again... I understand they're teenagers, they're impressionable, they're not going to let the boys and girls sleep together. It makes sense. I mean... But it's unfair. It is a little unfair. So, um, while going to fetch water, Harry's astounded at all the different witches and wizards he comes across, from young witches riding miniature broomsticks to foreign wizards speaking in languages he doesn't understand. So, 
Arthur's like, they can't do that. Their parents are probably taking a nap, but they shouldn't be flying around. Hello, we're supposed to be low-key. Yes. And, um, say Arthur, because I don't think it's... Was it Arthur who said that? Yes. Oh. I didn't, but he didn't go with them. Okay, doesn't matter. Anyway, um, using magic and muggle technology, which, um, I say technology, but really it's matches and stuff. And the wizards who are using matches are like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, so they happen upon an entirely green section of the camp, uh, being called over by Seamus Finnegan, who is a upcoming fourth-year Gryffindor like them. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly in support of Ireland for this World Cup. Well, I mean, his name is Seamus I mean, Finnegan. you know. And they're only allowed to leave after... Um, convincing Seamus' mother that they're going to be supporting Ireland, which Ron comments, like, how could we say otherwise there? Um, they decide to go visit the Bul- uh, the Bulgarian portion of the camp, which is plastered with pictures of a surly Quidditch player who Ron reverently calls Crumb. Crumb. Who happens to be Victor Crumb, the You're Bulgarian right. it was Ron. Yes. Go ahead. It's like because he didn't go with them to get water. Anyway. Harry, Ron, and Hermione went. Yes, that's what I said. But you said Arthur. You said Arthur right. It wasn't Arthur. Look at me. I actually looked for it so that I could be sure. And I admitted I was wrong. Right? You're so good. Yeah, um, sometimes. Yes. And uh, Ron calls Victor Crumb uh, a young guy that he's 18 and on a professional Quidditch team in that he's a genius. Yes. So. Okay. So remember when you said that they saw wizards from all different places? Yes. One of the, the, there were American, middle-aged American witches mm. gossiping, and I thought that it was really cool that the sign, sh- the banner stretched between their tents said Salem Witches <laughs> Institute. Yeah. They came across all kinds of people. There were African wizards who were talking about whatever, mm-hmm. um, some other wizards who were cooking a rabbit uh, over like a purple fire or something like It was very, it, the imagery in this portion about how there's, so many different kinds of groups of wizards coming together in this one area. I think kind of like astounds Harry. Like, like he's like amazed by it all. Well, he's amazed because it never occurred to him that there would be other schools of magic. Well, that's later. Yeah. That's later because I think he sees... I think uh, it happens with this. With the, it's, it's, about it's, after, it's after Crumb. Okay. Because I actually had to go back and grab sentences and move them forward because oh. I, I, had, I had put it wrong in my summary oh, initially. Okay. So I've, okay. I've actually put so it. So we'll get there in a minute. Yes. Um, with the water obtained, uh, which they there are two wizards at the tap. One who's in a flowery dress. Who? <laughs> yes, who's in a flowery dress, and the second one who's trying An to older get gentleman who's yes. in a flowery dress. Yes, and the second man is trying to get him out of that dress and into like slacks because it's not what Muggle men wear. Yeah, he's like, "What? I bought this in a Muggle shop," and he's like. That's not what muggle men wear. That's what muggle women wear. And he's like, I like a little bit of space down there. Okay. Yeah, I like the breeze <laughs> is literally what he says. And the girls are dying. Yeah. I mean, dresses Fair. are so much, so much free. By the way, re- please go to my, my summary and read what I put there. Where? Uh, here. I'll show you my phone actually. Finding two wizards arguing about Muggle Apparel at the, at the tap. <laughs> <laughs> I said, see, drag. Yes, yes, you did. Yes. 
Um, so um, they travel back to their camp, and they run into the ex-Gryffindor Quidditch captain, Oliver Wood, who just signs the Puddlemere United Reserve Quidditch team. Yes. I mean, what else was Oliver Wood really going to do? Really? He was so obsessed with Quidditch. Yes. It only makes sense that he'd continue to be a Quidditch player. Yes. Uh, Ernie McMillan, uh, who they have a brief conversation with, and Cho Chang. From both Ravenclaws. No. Ernie McMillan is a uh, Hufflepuff. Okay. Yep, you can Google it if you want. Oh, I will. Do it. Uh, and Cho Chang, which Harry actually gets water all over his front while trying to greet her. Nervously. Yes. Um, and that's when Harry is enlightened by both Ron I'm and right, Hermione. He's a Hufflepuff. I know I'm right. Oh, because they did... Okay, Book two. got it. Yes. Um, it's Harry... been a minute, but yes. Ernie was there. Harry's enlightened by both Ron and Hermione about different magical schools around the world. Ron mentions um, how I think it was Charlie um, who had a pen pal at a, the Brazilian magical school who wanted to, they wanted to do an exchange so they could meet up. And um, when uh, they, because the Weasleys had no money and they couldn't do the exchange program, um, the pen pal sent a, a, a cursed thing to Charlie it have been Bill. It's one of them. Uh, it was like a, sh- a cursed shrunken head, basically. Right. So, um, there are a bunch of different wizarding schools. We should probably take a second to talk about those. Yes, there's the American one, there's the Japanese one, there's the one that's in Eastern Europe, um, one in France. I mean, we know, we learn about these two later. Um, so, according to Africa. Wizarding World... Which yes. used to be Pottermore. There are 11 long-standing ones yes. worldwide. They're all registered with the International Confederation of Wizards. There's smaller, re- less regulated ones that have come and gone. And they're a little bit more difficult to keep track of. Um, because they're rarely registered with the correct mm-hmm. authorities. Um, the locations of them, the precise locations are really difficult to get to. Because remember, Hogwarts is... Unplottable and all that stuff. The reason why is because they want to sort of keep that separation. They don't want people to come barge into the school. They want to keep their students safe, which makes a lot of sense. Yes. So we talked about it. There are uh, Hogwarts, obviously, Mm -hmm. and we're led to believe that that's somewhere in Scotland. Uh, There's Beaubaton Academy of Magic. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if you heard that, it's France. Uh, the one in Brazil. Uh, Durmstrang and Castelo Brooks. Uh, and yes. Uh, it's probably like Cast- Castelo Brooks. Yeah. Because it's Brazilian. Yeah, true, and true, 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 true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Durmstrang Institute, somewhere in Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. Ilvermorny in Eastern North America. Mm-hmm. I can't. Ma- 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 Maho Tokoro? Tokoro School yes. of Magic in Japan. Yes. And the one in Uganda. Yes. Ogudo. Uagudo. Uag- yes, I think some of that. Yeah, in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Koldovstorex in Russia. And more, obviously. Yes, but yes. those are the ones that... Those are the we, main ones that yeah. we're aware of. Um, some of them 
have special things like with their robes and not factual. There's one in the James Potter series before yes. Ilvermorny was announced or revealed. Yes. It was called Alma Aleron and it was in Boston. Interesting. And the headmaster's Ben Franklin. Very cool. Yes. But I, I think I read somewhere that the Japanese one, your robe is one color. If you do something against the rules, it changes to another color. And they, they use fans, I think, as well. Yes. And the one in Uganda, they are very good at... Uh, nonverbal magic. Nonverbal magis- magic. And they are basically all animagi. Yes. Anim- yes. Animagi. Yes, we're not um, going to do this one again. We're not going to go through this again. And there's a difference in wands. Like the, the, the Hogwarts, their wands, they're able to take the, them home with them and all that. And over morning in, you know, the United States. You have to leave your wand behind. Yes. When because you're not again, in school. Because, because underage wizards. Yes. Uh, by the way... If you haven't seen Fantastic Beasts, if you don't know about the difference between uh, the magical societies in North America versus Europe, um, North America has a very dark past in terms of magic. And Salem so, Witch Trials. Yes. And there's also um, uh, like a group of anti-magic yes. people who hunt down wizards and witches mm-hmm. and try to expose them. And so that's why Ilvermorny has that rule so that they can keep their students safe while they're not in school. Right. Because if they have no wand, they can't do magic for the most part until they get to a certain age. And I'm sure the rules change. Yes. But they're much stricter because there are actively people trying to hunt them down. Yes. So that's... It makes sense. Yes. Um, We're not saying that any one school is better than the other. We don't. We we just know that from this series that Hogwarts is super awesome. Yes. So we have to assume that the other schools are super awesome as well. Yes. Because they're magic schools. Hello. Stands to reason. Yes. Um. <coughs> so as I said, the, the Harry learns about the schools that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, they arrive back at the camp. Hermione um, teaching Mister Weasley how to light matches because. He fails a billion times, and when he succeeds, he's surprised and drops it. I think he just really likes to play with fire. Yes. Uh, I'm Honestly, I feel like it, we're, we're made to believe that he doesn't know what he's doing, mm-hmm. but he works for the Ministry of Magic closely with muggles. Oh, he definitely knows how to use them. He's just being goofy. Yeah. He's, he's excited to have a non-professional reason to mess with muggle stuff. Yes. He's like... I've always wanted to do this. Yes. Um, and when Mr. Weasley said that they had a good, they had a good spot, mm-hmm. it's their campsite is alongside a sort of thoroughfare, which is a sort of a source of entertainment because there's people for the ministry walking back and forth in the stadium to other parts of the campsite and they have to pass by where they are. Yes. And uh, Mr. Weasley keeps a running commentary about who's who, what they do, and all that stuff. Obviously not for his kids, because his kids know all about yeah, his kids. more for Hermione and, yeah. and Harry. Yeah. Um, he also ends up mentioning, actually, like a top-secret group in the Ministry of Magic called the Department of Mysteries, where the employees are called unspeakables. Why is he talking about them, then? First rule of Fight Club. Exactly. So, finally... After about an hour or so, um, when the, the fire is getting hot enough to actually cook food on and stuff, 
um, Percy, Charlie, and Bill appear, having walked out of the forest near where they're camped at, where they apparated to. Because we also found out in the previous chapter that it's not just that they created all these poor keys and you have to go here and there. They actually made spots for people to apparate from. And to. And to. Yes. It's, it's this big, concerted, <coughs> complicated, convoluted effort mm-hmm. because it's the Quidditch World Cup. Yes. So, halfway through their lunch, uh, Mr. Weasley jumps to his feet and calls over the man of the hour, Ludo Bagman. Mm-hmm. Um, a jovial, springy fellow, a little plump and stout, clearly retired from his active lifestyle of being a professional Quidditch player. Yes. Um, who quickly, uh, Percy runs over to to shake his hand. Even though Percy was talking very badly about him. The previous night. The previous night. And that he's very responsible and stuff. And how could he not know what's happening with one of his employees who's been gone for like a month on vacation? Yes. And if it was his boss, Mr. Barty Crouch Sr., Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have happened. Yes. So Arthur introduces... Percy to him as, the, you know, he works for the ministry as well, and he mm-hmm. works for... I don't think he even tells him that he works for Crouch. Just yeah, that... Just that he works, he for, works the for the ministry. And that, you know, his kids, and then he gets to Hermione Granger, and then Harry. Uh, he doesn't say Hermione, he just says or Granger, he just says Hermione, and Harry. And Ludo does a double take, and is like, Harry, Harry Potter, and then does the, the lightning scar search, as everyone does. <sighs> um... So apparently Arthur got the amazing tickets that they have from Bagman himself, actually. Yeah, he actually says, and Ron's friends, Hermione Granger and Harry Potter. Oh, okay. He does say their names. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, for me, is always like, I think it's a source of pride for Arthur as well, that his son, you know, his, his kids may not be these remarkable boy-who-lived kind of people, but his son's best friend is. So he gets some notoriety by being friends. I don't with think I don't think Arthur Harry cares Potter. that much about it, though. Yeah, I think it's more like, hey, we're kind of these pretty down to earth people, <coughs> but guess what? We kind of know somebody. We have a cool friend. So that's cool. Yes. Not in a haha. We know people yes. like the Malfoys would do. Mm-hmm. And um, Bagman tries to convince Mister Weasley to bet on the game. Who he does end up betting a galleon, and I forget on who it was on winning. I think it might have been Ireland winning. Um, uh, a galleon on Ireland to win. Yes, and then uh, he asks if the rest have any bets, which the twins jump in and bet basically their life savings on it. <laughs> um, if I recall correctly, it's thirty-seven galleons, sixteen sickles, fifteen, fifteen. Darn, and I forget the canuts. I think I'm even like three. Yeah. And also a joke wand, which Bagman loves and values at five gallons. Well, it's a joke wand that turns mm-hmm. into a rubber chicken. Yeah. So he does say five gallons. Yep. And the which I mean, to me, sounds like a fairly overpriced. Accurate. To be honest, let's think about it. It's it's, it's a joke wand. And a, a real wand costs what? Ten gallons? Eleven gallons? Ooh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway, I'm going to keep going while you look that up. Um, but the twins, their bet is that Ireland wins, but Bulgaria gets the snitch to end the game. Which, 
Bagman thinks is absolutely absurd. His wand costs seven galleons. Yeah, that's crazy. A real wand is seven galleons and a trick wand is five? That doesn't make sense. But anyway. Um, that was Harry's wand was seven yeah. galleons. Okay. Um, Bagman thinks that, that, be- that that's crazy, so he gives them good odds on it. Um, Arthur tries to dissuade his kids from betting because like, it's all their money. Well, so the reason he thinks it's a crazy bet is because if you catch the snitch, that's 150 points. That almost always leads to the the team that caught it winning. winning. It's 150 points. So you could have bust your behind and scored 15 goals for 10 apiece. Yeah, and if they scored one and then get the snitch, you lose. Yeah. That's crazy. Which is why he gives them... Fantastic odds. Yes. Um, So they have more pleasantries and they talk some more. Uh, Bagan mentions that he's having a communications error with um, the Bulgarian Minister of Magic or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then the subject goes to Bertha Jorkins and uh, Ludo tells Mr. Weasley that, you know, there's still no word on her, but considering her terrible sense of direction and her awful memory, that she'll get to the office in October thinking it's July. Yeah. Um, and Arthur is actually like, you don't think it might be time to send someone to look for her? Mm-hmm. And he and Bagman is like, uh, Barty Crouch keeps saying that, but we're really, but we really can't spare anyone at the moment. Oh, talk of the devil, Barty. Yes, uh, Mister Crouch appears, uh, who's Percy's boss, uh, looking for Bagman. Uh, much to the amusement of the twins, because Percy's trying to wait on him hand and foot to show him that he's like a capable underling, I suppose. And Crouch forgot his name. So, before we get there. Yes. It's, uh, hey, no, we can't really, I can't really hang out with you. Mm-hmm. From Barty, Crouch Sr. Yes. Um, he's like, I've been looking for you everywhere. The Bulgarians are insisting we add another 12 seats to the top box. Mm-hmm. And Bagman is like, oh, that's what they wanted? Like, that's the communication issue. Yes. They, they can't understand each other at all. Mm-hmm. So then the misunderstanding of the name happens. Weatherby, right? Yes, he's like, oh, yes, thank you, Weatherby. Mm-hmm. So shortly thereafter, Crouch and Bagman depart to attend the crisis. I'm doing mm-hmm. some air quotes here. Um, not before Bagman mentions a happening at Hogwarts this year. There's a big event happening at Hogwarts. Um, Fred asks his dad, um, what it's going to be, but Mr. Weasley and Percy both say that they'll find out when the time is right. Yeah. Um, so evening brings, um, we're getting to the start of the match. It's soon. It's happening soon. And so there happen to be a lot of souvenir vendors. Who are operating everywhere. Yes. And Harry and Ron and Hermione wander out to see what they have. And there's a bunch of things. There's, like, talking hats. There's rosettes. There's uh, figures of the players. I think it's cool that the rosettes are squealing the names of the players. Yes. Um, so Harry actually ends up... Well, Ron brings out all of his saved-up pocket money from the summer and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I think he buys a rosette and something else. And then a you know, Victor Crumb action figure. A dancing shamrock yes. and a large green rosette. Yes. And a Victor Crumb figure. Yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Harry ends up buying all of them omnioculars, 
which are binoculars that have like special magical functions like pausing time, rewinding, fast forwarding, slowing down, everything. Everything you can think of, basically. And they're 10 galleons apiece. Yes. So Ron becomes upset that Harry is so well off and he's so poor and that he can't afford anything for himself and that's not fair. Well, because I think it's always one of those things that bothered me about that in general. Mm -hmm. It's like, Harry didn't know he had money. And Harry, now that he has it, wants to share it. And he with finds his excuses friends. too. Yeah. Like, so, oh, don't worry about it. It'll be your Christmas present for 10 years. And then when Christmas time rolls around, which we know in the book, he still gets Ron a present because it's not what it's about. It doesn't matter. Money that's isn't his friend. anything. He just wants to enjoy time with his friends. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think 10 gallons is equivalent to how much? Like 30 bucks or 40 bucks or something? Something like that. Dude, it's 40 bucks, man. If it helps you create an amazing memory with your friend, it's worth more than that. Yes, but remember that Ron grew up with nothing. Yeah, I And know. that money was very scarce to the point where sometimes they didn't know how they were going to buy school supplies. I think that it also makes him feel like a burden. Yes. Or like someone who takes from his like friends but doesn't give. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, he's your friend. Cut the crap and just accept it from your friend. Yeah. At some point, you will be able to do things for your friend that don't require money that are just as valuable. Mm-hmm. Like in um, Sorcerer slash Philosopher's Stone, where he knew how to play wizard's chess, and that's how they got through the first task. If he hadn't been skilled in that and used his skill for his friend's benefit, they would have been stuck. Yeah. So, like I said, Harry finds an excuse. Yes. So he's like, yeah, this is your your Christmas present for 10 Christmases, 10 years, you know? Yeah. And Ron finally accepts. Um, As dusk falls, um, a deep booming sound is, is heard from the nearby woods. It's time for the Quidditch World Cup to start. Ireland versus Bulgaria. Who will win? Big gong. Green and red lanterns blazing everywhere in the trees, lighting a path to the field. Yes, precisely. I can't wait. That was weird. Long summary. Yes, but I love this chapter. I love that they get to see it. This is what they meant about once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Like, they have a really good place in the campgrounds. They are seeing all kinds of people from the ministry. They're seeing all kinds of things. Like They're seeing all kinds of people from all they're over the place. They're their horizons. Yes, and they're about to see a Quidditch World Cup. Yeah, it's it's a very rare event. Like, like they said in their letter, it's not held anywhere near them. Most of, the time. most of the time. Yeah. And, like, it's a, they're great teams, Ireland and Bulgaria, you know? Uh, there's Moran, <laughs> I remember his name, from Ireland, and there's Crum, <laughs> from Bulgaria. I don't know, it's cool. Let's enjoy it with them. Yes. For the umpteenth time. Yes. And that's, so, that's all we got, people. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. I'm excited. Same. Oh, wait, our next owl. Bye. Bye. I'm still hungry. (laughs) Go get food. Okay.